there. Welcome to Podding in Easy, and it's the review that we've been waiting for. After all these years, you know, it's been 17 years since Revenge of the Sith, 45 years since A New Hope, but finally we have more Kenobi. We have Hugh McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Two big episodes with a lot to talk about, as well as some other Star Wars related stuff that also got dropped over the weekend. I am Scott McLeod. I am I am one half of Team Godfather, one half of the team that will be taking you through all the big announcements. And joining me, as always, is the Grand Inquisitor to my third sister. He is. He didn't go. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cheers, Scott. Not too bad <laughs> at all. I'm just now I'm watching you, waiting that you don't got me with a lightsaber. <laughs> me? No. That's not like <laughs> me at all. <laughs> the silent I mean, assassin Scott McLeod. <laughs> I mean, it's a, despite the whole, all the stabbing going on, it's a nicer one I thought I could have made in terms of comparisons because, you know, I could have tried and done a princess Leia or the grandfather, maybe, uh, <laughs> and into the intro, but I thought, no, that's a bit too cruel. Let's go to the comparison, which implies I might stab Carl at some point. <laughs> He's a nasty so-and-so as Scott. <laughs> yes, uh, I managed to put on a clever facade for all this time. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. As I joked before, we started recording and Disney seems to have their way in and so far they are. Star Wars is just going to go on forever and ever and ever. There's going to be just more and more Star Wars uh, the reason that it, it can only be dropped this week was to celebrate the 45th anniversary of the original Star Wars, which was the introduction to the Obi-Wan Kenobi character. We had two episodes drop last Friday, the 27th of May, and we're going to have episodes dropping every Wednesday going forward for the next three or four weeks, because I think it's six episodes in total. And it's also happened to drop River at the same time as Star Wars Celebration, which also featured a shitload of Star Wars announcements and the day surrounding Obi-Wan uh, happening. So we'll go through, in no particular order, the announcements that were made at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, the series that, Carl, I know both of us are we were kept awake, awake at night with all our theories and excitement for this show. Andor has finally got a new trailer, and I know you particularly are bursting to talk about it. Well, well, to be fair, it wasn't one I was initially excited about, but I mean, the trailer does look quite intriguing, actually. It's, it looks a lot better than I envisioned, so um, it definitely looks worth um, checking out now, seeing that trailer, I have to admit. Yeah, obviously, like, I had my doubts about this show because Andor wasn't a, a character in Rogue One I was particularly too invested in, but... So, well, not enough so that I want to see him get his own show, let alone two series of his own show, because I want to confirm this is going to get it's going to be two series, both 12 episodes each, but I think a lot of this, uh, if the trailers anything go by, a lot of it is not just about him, but by, about the rebellion going into the events of A New Hope, because apparently the last scene in the last episode of the soon-to-come second series is going to take us right into Rogue One, which then in turn took us right into episode four. So 
the Bellions in full swing, and it looks like it here. Uh, doesn't tell you a whole lot of the show. Weirdly, there's not a lot of Andor in the trailer itself, but you know, I'm I'm willing to be surprised, and I'm I've got my fingers and my toes crossed that we get the return of the droid, uh, voiced by Alan Tudyk, who was one of my favourite parts of of Rogue One. Yes, let's see, get him back in there. Maybe have him in at the end of season one and make me excited for season two. Yeah, yeah, we might see how they came across him and sort of reprogrammed him to to work for the rebellion rather than the empire. So that that could be that could be an interesting angle to to go down. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the Rogue One film, there was the tease from from Mando saying to Jenner, so like you don't know what I've done, you know, for you know the rebellion or to you know fight back against the empire. So. We might see him as kind of a, he might be our protagonist, but we might see him do some unsettling things in the name of, you know, taking down the Empire. Uh, quite a few, few people I don't recognise, some people I do recognise, uh, Stellan Skarsgård was in this as a, seemingly a member of the, the Rebellion. Uh, I, I mainly know him from like the, from the Thor films, at least the first two at least. Yeah, yeah, he's a definite welcome addition. Uh, He's a good actor, so I'm quite intrigued to see what he brings to the show. Mm-hmm. So, again, not a lot to, not a lot else to dive into here. I think August 31st they announced this is when the, the series would premiere. Uh, so August we're going to She-Hulk and Andor. So these bloody Star Wars and Marvel properties by Disney, they're getting closer and closer. Originally it was like, you'll have six weeks of a Marvel show, a wee break, like a few days break, then Six weeks of a of a Star Wars show break, Marvel wins the feet. But no, there's we've got so many projects plans that are getting closer and closer together here. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna happen now. Um, you know the pan the, the sort of pandemics um, restrictions are gone, so they can probably film a bit more now. And as they as they're rolling forward and doing more, there's. Yeah, they're going to have to release stuff closer together, possibly even overlapping at times. Yeah, already uh, Miss Marvel's coming out in a couple of weeks, and that'll be overlapping with Obi Wan. So, interesting to see if this becomes her regulars becomes going forward. Uh, there's a brand new series uh, coming to the plus for Star Wars called Skeleton Crew. Uh, the only real casting announcement is that Jude Law will be in the show. I don't think his character name was announced, but this is a, these are brand new characters from what I can tell. And a series that will be produced by John Favreau, Dave Filoni, obviously well-known within the behind scenes of SARS, but also John Watts coming on board, the man who was the director and co-writer of the three Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, and it was at one point attached to do Fantastic Four before recently leaving that project. So now he's found a new home doing this. Uh, so the main core cast will all be, the core of the cast will be made up of kids. And, you know, that it's about them finding their way uh, and they, as they get lost in the Star Wars kind of universe. But Dave Filoni stressed this is not a kid's show, even though it stars kids. He even said this is much this is as much for kids as the Clone Wars was. And, <laughs> you know, you watch the Clone Wars, there were some dark moments on that show. That is very true. That is very true. So again, it's it's another intriguing concept. I'm not really sure if it was one we were asking for, but you never know. 
the trailer for Andor surprised me, so mm. I'm willing to give this a chance as well. Yeah, I mean, looking at the names behind it, that gives me some confidence in it, something different in the story over the idea of like, whole new characters. You know, we were having a wee discussion over Facebook with Jude Law. Personally, I could take or leave him. So uh, I'm not entirely enjoying this. Probably won't hinge on him one way or the other. But I'm interested to see what happens with this show. Also, partly, partly I'm interested because uh, child actors in the Star Wars universe have a very mixed history. I mean, we had a very, we had a really good performance in the second episode of Kenobi from a child actor. Whereas you, you take like of Jake Lloyd, who pretty much got bullied out of acting altogether for his for no fault of his own because of how he was written to act in as Anakin and the Phantom Menace. So uh, I'm slightly worried for these kids. Yeah, we'll have to see. Hopefully, they'll uh, cast some decent actors. And let's face it, the the writing and direction wasn't always uh, great on the the prequel movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. I remember a lot of people saying going into this can only that they were worried for the actor play young Luke uh, because he might suffer the same fate as Jake Lloyd. But like so far, we've seen fuck all of them. Like other than Obi Wan watching from a distance. Mm. So yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. I mean, John Watts has worked with young actors on recently on Spider Man, so it could work out for the best. But uh, a really interesting note about this show is that they said. This will be taking place around the same time as the Mandalorian and Ahsoka, so it's set in that same period in the Star Wars universe. Oh, right. It's almost as if they were uh, they had to think of new ideas to replace another show that might have been supposed to take place <laughs> in that show with somebody who may or not, may not have been cancelled because they doubled down on some very stupid tweets that they made. Uh, don't know if there's anything like that that's happened recently. We certainly wouldn't discuss that regularly on this show. I have no idea what you're talking about, Scott. <laughs> of course, I don't even know why I'm wasting my breath even saying anything. But speaking of the Mandalorian, uh, news I think a lot of you were, ho- were hoping for, the confirmation, February 2023, Mandalorian Season 3 is coming. Apparently, a mini-trailer was shown, which I'm sure will then get released widely. Although, if you want to watch it now, I'm sure there's some videos of people who filmed it when they weren't meant to while they were being showed it in the convention hall at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, from those who did see, they said that uh, apparently Bo-Katan, played by and Carl Weathers, Grief Karga are both back in the show, which is great to hear. And obviously, we know from Book of Wolf that Mando and Grogu are back together and they'll be getting up to all sorts of hijinks this season. And apparently... John Favreau even confirmed himself in an interview. He's already starting to write season four. Yeah, so yeah, it's going to be fun and exciting to see um, where they decide to go with uh, season three and Mm -hmm. what the crux of the story will be. Perhaps if Bo-Katan's coming back, perhaps she'll be after that dark saber that um, Mando now has his possession. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think from what we got of Bando and the Book of Boa fit, I'm assuming that if Bogodan's involved, maybe we will see him trying to go back to Mandalore, which will be interesting to see more of Mandalore in the live action sense and Mando trying to like redeem himself after you know he had to admit to the armor that I did remove my helmet. But, you know, I was 
bit concerned with the third season because I was wondering if maybe this would be the bit of time where they'd maybe tease wrapping up Mando's story. But if John Favreau's already saying he's doing a season four, it seems like Mando is pretty much going to be like the a mainstay. I mean, like crooks and the like TV universe of Star Wars that they're putting together. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, hopefully they'll stop making it if when they run out of ideas. I don't want it to be something that drags on and um and get starts to dip in quality as um, they clearly start running out of ideas for the show. So I'd rather have it. I'd rather have a limited number of strong seasons and it to go on for too long and uh, dip in quality. Yeah, yeah, you you talk that as well. You want them to you know go out on a high and everything like that. And you know they had a strong crux for the first two seasons of like Mando and his responsibility to Grogu. And now this season seems to be the going back to redeem himself, going back to Mandalore, and maybe that will then give us the main crux of what's the story for season four. Because the good thing about Mando so far is that, as I said, all the seasons have a main story through line that keeps them, that keeps you invested. Yeah, <laughs> the silly bugger. He should have just lied about taking his helmet off. <laughs> I know. Just lie. Lying is fun. Trust me. <laughs> Something that's also going to be fun when it comes out is Ahsoka with Rosario Dawson in the title role, who has already started production on the show, uh, and apparently that will be the next show to come out after Mando. So Mando's coming out in February, I imagine. May, we're at the same time that Kenobi's aired here this time next year, or maybe even in June at some point in the summer. We'll have Ahsoka come out. Uh, so I'm hoping for some teases or trailers around the time that Mando season three ends so they can get excited. By the way, Ahsoka's coming up. Because I think these were the two shows that you really want, everybody really wanted. Like, I know everyone's excited for Kenobi, but everybody, but we will see. We found out about Ahsoka ages ago and then we got both of them popping up in Baker Boba Fett. So, like, okay, tell us when we get Mando season three, when's Ahsoka? We all want it. Want all the content right now. Exactly. We don't want to wait. We want it now. Damn it. <laughs> no real other news I don't think came out about Ahsoka other than the fact that it's currently in production and it will be out next year. So going to have to, you know, just sit here, you know, counting down the days until it's until it arrives. Exactly. Yeah, we've got, we're going to have plenty to keep us going before, but... I am I am pretty much looking forward um, to this um, Ahsoka show, seeing what they've got planned for it, and it'd be cool to see certain characters um, in real life, like Sabine Bran, and mm-hmm. apparently Chopper's going to be in it as well. <laughs> yeah, I heard that like Rebels characters will appear in live action wise, so you wonder how many that looks because we've already heard of it, Edward Bridger pretends already being cast, and They've already cast a Sabine Wren, so are they going to limit to that? Is Hera going to show up in live action? You know, wouldn't mind seeing that. And I wonder if Dave Lowe is heavily involved. He voiced Chopper in the animated series Rebels, and by voice I mean he made funny noises into <laughs> into a microphone because you can't understand what Chopper says. But I wonder if he's going to reprise his role as Chopper in the show, as well as being like the showrunner behind it. He he may, he may as well, hasn't he? Let's face it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think you said we've got plenty to like keep us going, like for now, because we we have Obi Wan over the next few weeks. We've got Andor in August, and in the fall, they released a trailer that somehow one of the few times Carl's seen something before I did. Uh, 
they released a trailer for Bad Batch Season 2, which was a quick turnaround, because it doesn't feel like that long ago since we even talked about Bad Batch Season 1. But, you know, I can't really say much about the trailer, it's just a lot of shooting, a lot of shooting's going on. Bruce Air pops up once or twice, don't know what his story is now, but they talk about the idea of, like, wanting to be free. Uh, oh, Omega looks a bit more competent with her weapon now, she looks more like a member of the team. And, you know, I'm excited because also a part of this was when we, part of the thing when we reviewed it uh, the first time around, I'd already seen most of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing some like brand new content from this. And again, Dave Fulling will probably be heavily involved given that's tied to the Clone Wars. Yeah, the the trailer looks like it should be quite good. And uh, I think it uh, originally aired around this time last year, didn't it, if I remember correctly? But uh, we were reviewing something else, so it took us a took us a while to to get round to it. I think it was some point around the summer that came out, and even though like I, there were people talking about it, get, I'm talking shit here. I'm talking shit because I realised the first episode came out in Star Wars Day. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> don't know what I'm talking about, but yeah. Other than the fact that the first episode came out in Star Wars Day, and also there's there's always hype around Star Wars Day. Uh, no, I'm not the hardcore Star Wars fans, but yeah, uh, the rest of the series seemed to go under the radar. You despite the fact it was actually you know a very good show with a lot of cameos, which I'm hoping that that theme continues with characters from the Clone Wars series crossing back over with the show. Uh, maybe one or two cameos from Rebels, but I'm trying to think what we were even reviewing at the time. Probably something Marvel related. No one asked. Yeah, I can't bloody remember now. It's too long ago, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what is time? Time is a contract of human perception. <laughs> or so people say. But yeah, so much Star Wars happening. Uh, it's all TV, obviously. We kind of got used to that, but. They did announce that the Taika Waititi currently untitled Star Wars film is still going ahead, and that will be the return of Star Wars to the to the big screen, and it'll be coming out late December 2023. So, uh, Taika, once you're done with with Thor and hammers and voicing a silly rock creature, get to work because uh, <laughs> I mean the last two sequel films really set the bar very low for uh, for cinematic Star Wars. So uh, you've got. You've got a lot to make up for. Yeah, I mean, they started off promising enough, but uh, the wheels came off big time, didn't it? Unfortunately. So, yeah, if anyone can uh, get him back on track, though, it's uh, Taka Tawiti, or however you say his name. I can't say his bloody name. I apologise to the great man. <laughs> I'm very curious to see what happens here, because... It does feel weird with Star Wars and Marvel right now that, you know, a lot of their, their great content over the last year and a half seems to all come from TV when you're used to, like, going to the cinema to get this as being your main outlet of getting you know, content from these two big franchises. But, you know, we're, we're going to get back to it. I wonder, I don't, I don't want to start a whole new trilogy here. I just want something, you know, that can stand on its own and will actually, you know, be good. So... Let's, let's see what happens when Tiger takes over the reins. Mm. But, uh, speaking of him, the, uh, there was a second trailer, literally just as we were releasing our last episode, a better trailer for Thor. It uh, came out with him narrating it as Korg. And then you got a better look at Christian Bale as as Gore uh, the God Butcher. With so many memes about him, either either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself play a villain in the MCU. Or 
a lot of means of people describe comparing him to Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting it's an interesting look. He's he's very white. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do like lots of the scenes that they show of him all of the time. He's like surrounded by by like black and white. They show you know, that he takes the colour of everywhere he goes just because he's just so evil. He's just got such a black heart. <laughs> but, you know, it's it seems cool. You know, I like Jay getting to hear Jane talk again in the trailer and seeing uh, Thor's reaction to her with the, the hammer and everything. And uh, Korg narration, he got himself back in shape. It went from a dead bod to a god bod. <laughs> <laughs> and everything's going back to normal. Oh, spoke too soon. <laughs> There's a bit where uh, Zeus has got him and he's t- trying to unveil him. He flicks and all his clothes fall off. He's, you flick too hard! That was funny. He's got a big tattoo now and he's back to store. Everybody was trying to make out what it said. Some people would think it thought they could see some like Loki ass cords on his back because, again, as far as he knows, Loki is dead and in a way he is. But, you know, timeline's all funny. Right, there's, and also, there's a scene in there where it makes everybody think that maybe Jane got blipped because she thinks, what's it been like three, four years? And he goes, well, no, eight, eight, eight years, seven months, X amount of days. But, you know, who's counting? But, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he knows it to the last second, bless him. <laughs> and apparently, like, somebody who has more time on their hands than me pointed out that not exactly that amount of time, but almost that amount of time, like eight, eight years, seven months odd, that'll be how long uh, it's been when Thor 4 comes out since Thor The Dark World, which was the last time that we got a scene at Liv Hortman. <laughs> so, so somebody in the Marvel office. Somebody in the Marvel office has figured out how long ago it was <laughs> before they added that line into the film. Yeah, they've been very careful to have the numbers, haven't they? Fair play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's coming out in July, and then I think the last Marvel film we get this year is going to be uh, Black Panther. So, you know, a lot to look forward to, both Marvel and Star Wars, as I said, but now, Carl, it's time to get into what we came here for. We get it's time for Kenobi, and I don't know about you, but like I properly set aside time in my day to sit down and watch both of these episodes. And these were long ones, by the way. The first episode's nearly an hour long, uh, and then there's like forty odd minutes for the second episode. You know, weirdly enough, no, they don't. They haven't went the uh, the route of a uh, book of both or Mandalorian with the you know, the stills from the episode for the title card is just it's kind of regular Star Wars pattern like the space hmm. the blue lettering. Yeah, so you know, keep that just for the the Mandalorian and whatnot series. Makes mm-hmm. us feel a little bit different. And uh yeah, I've watched both episodes a few times now. Um yeah, you say the long run times, but they don't feel long when you're watching them. I mean <laughs> they really both episodes really breezed by for me. I couldn't believe it when they ended. I was like, oh, it's it over already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what a way to end it. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but we all have to get, cover, in case you don't forgotten an entire trilogy, they pretty much recap all of Obi-Wan's major moments from mm. the, the prequel trilogy and the recap. 
And I was, I was sitting there on the couch watching that and literal chills going up my arm like, oh, I am so, so ready for yeah. this. Yeah, same, same. I was just getting quite emotional waiting for the start because I, I know I'd never thought I'd see these actors reprise these characters. I thought they were they were probably done, and then we get this announced, and it felt like such a long wait, and then it's it's finally here, it's finally real. And of course, how else do we open the show than by having basically what is the Star Wars equivalent of Uncle Ben or Bruce Wayne's parents getting killed? The flashback <laughs> of Order sixty six. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting thing to start with. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this: uh, we've got a scene of it in Book of Boba Fett with Grogu's flashback, Jedi Fallen Order, Bad Batch, Clone Wars, Revenge of the Sith, like six across. I'm pretty sure there's been comics or books in the expanded universe that's talked about it as well. So, like across almost every possible medium, you know. I'm sure there's a floppy disk rendition of it as well, you know, just to cover all the bloody bases. But every possible like way they could show, every angle they could show, bloody Order Six Six, they seem to have done at this stage. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> but it is such an important, you know, it's a, a sort of important plot point of um, everything that happens um, and leading to a new hope and and whatnot. And um, I was wondering if we were going to see Darth, you know, Darth Vader in that clip taking out some younglings. I thought, well, that's mm-hmm. going to be quite harsh, but but no, uh, we, we don't. We, we sort of see a couple of Jedi Masters trying to defend the kids. Get um, get taken out, and then we go um, to the present day. So you got to feel though it's going to have some relevance to the story. Yeah, like, I have. All... I have my. I do have my theories. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you are. A fair few of you share your theories uh, online. But like you said, yeah, like it's an important moment in the, the Star Wars kind of canon, especially, and. You know, these younglings being trained. Like, I, I agree with you. Like, I thought Hayden was going to pop up here. Maybe this is, is this why we need like Hayden specifically to come back. And this because like they go along this bridge area, which I recognise from the scene where Obi Wan and Yoda walks through, and there's a bunch of dead younglings. And Obi Wan said, "Not even they survived." And Yoda points one out that he was killed by a lightsaber. So I thought at some point they were going to come across Anakin. And like, yeah, how do we celebrate the return of you, McGregor's Obi Wan? with some good old-fashioned child murder. <laughs> but, yeah, there might be uh, there might be a flashback later on in the series that features um, a pre-Darth Vader Anakin. So, mm. you say there's going to be some reason that they uh, wanted to recast him. I mean, because you could just put anybody in makeup or in the, in the suit, can't you? Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah so... We'll see in the in subsequent episodes why it was so important to get Hayden back because you don't really see a lot of how many people he killed. It's always just implied uh, quite horrifically how many people he killed, especially the younglings. But like a lot of scenes, especially here and like Grogu's flashback, all you ever see of Order sixty six is the clones taking out the Jedi, but never like how many exactly Anakin killed himself. So you get the, the youngs being like chased. Uh, a Jedi Master tries to save them, but eventually is gunned down. So the kids all have to run away. They're, they've not got lightsabers of their own. 
And then, like you said, it goes into the present day on Tatooine. It does come up ten years later, where we have the Inquisitor ship land, and it's uh, the Grand Inquisitor, played by Rupert Friend, accompanied uh, by the fifth brother and the and Moses Ing- Ingram's third sister, aka Riva, as she's referred to in this show. And they're doing what Inquisitors do best: they're hunting, they're in a Jedi, and like. You watch this scene back, and I'm not the only one who's maybe made this observation that when it cuts to the Jedi who's ultimately revealed to be the Jedi, the uh, Inquisitor looks in his direction as he's describing the Jedi to the people in the, the bar, and he, it does seem like he knows almost instantly who the Jedi is, but he's just waiting for him to reveal himself because his whole speech of, you know, Jedis hunt themselves, they can't help what they are. Yeah, you can probably sort of sort of sense sense who it is, can't they, through the force? I'd imagine. And uh, yeah, I quite I quite like his little speech actually, and it sort of sort of tells you how they sort of go about hunting and and finding these Jedi, as he says, like through through rumours. Um, of you know, good deeds and that done that only a Jedi could probably do. So, um, as he says, yeah, they sort of hunt themselves because they they give themselves away through using their powers to to help people, which mm-hmm. probably isn't the best idea if you're trying to lay low. But yeah. but, there, but there you have it. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's um, the third sister in the end is it who throws something at the bar. The bartender, which forces um, the the hiding Jedi to to use his force powers to stop the projectile hitting the bartender in the face. Yeah, yeah. he's like his Rangers are doing this long like monologue where he's describing like what how he thinks story goes, and there seems to be evidence as you go you go around the bar, and eventually she's like enough of this, throws it at the guy because she doesn't care if he if he dies or not. And then the the Jedi like you get because it uses the force but does manage to escape uh, the Inquisitors and on this occasion and she gets basically a, a bollocking from uh, from the Grand Inquisitor and everything. She's like, I'm sick of going after like scraps and everything, like we should be going after big fish, like and he's like, Kenobi isn't yours to hunt. And he said, like, straps are all we have, which I think implies that they've killed a lot of the major Jedi that would have survived. They're just looking for any stragglers they may have missed or any, like, younglings or padawans that are still hiding out there somewhere. Because by this point, there aren't going to be many Jedi left if we're going into or that close to the, the timeline of uh, New Hope. But I think the third sister is a, a new Inquisitor for this show. You've had like the second sister in the Fallen Order games. Uh, the, the second female Inquisitor we see in episode two is the fourth sister, and then we had like the seventh sister pop up in, uh, in Rebels. So, our whole story that we see here is completely like new for this show. Yeah, uh, he sort of insinuates as well the Grand Inquisitor that they've tried looking for Kenobi and uh, they've turned up nothing. So they've <laughs> so they've, it sounds like they've decided to to give up on that quest for the time being. Um, he also calls um, the fifth sister reckless as well, and you can tell there's a bit of there's a bit of friction there between the other two Inquisitors and the third sister. She's um, 
who seemingly has an obsession with Obi-Wan and, uh, yeah, not afraid to upset the apple cart and do things mm-hmm. her own way uh, to get things done by the lot, which uh, doesn't go down too well with the other Inquisitors. I was wondering when we saw this other Jedi, he looked fairly young, and I was wondering if it, we didn't on that we get a chance to find out, but I'm wondering if he was also one of the, the younglings from the, from the opening who's managed to somehow stay hidden after all this time, but inevitably also the Inquisitors have, have caught up with him. And the idea that he says, oh, he's not yours to hunt, uh, I think also implies that maybe Vader personally wants to, to find Obi-Wan. Because obviously, I'm sure he still can't think why he would hold a grudge after he cut half your limbs off and left <laughs> you to burn alive. So yeah, that, that stuff's going to fester over time. Sure, surely that's the sort of thing you get over in a couple of weeks. And I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't had the arms and legs chopped off and been left burning alive by an old mentor. I mean, it happens all the time, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, Trumbo Ombo clearly isn't big enough in the Star Wars universe. No, you get knocked down. You had to get up again. Maybe not with your own legs, but with some new robot legs, you'll be up and about in no time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then we get like the title card with the sand there's Kenobi and then we see Obi-Wan uh, basically just trying to be good old Ben Kenobi hiding out and tattooing not using his force abilities he's just make, cutting, cutting out meat from a weird dead fish in the middle of the what was the Dune Sea as we, we heard from the, the Tuscan Renators that it used to be all water but no longer so these guys are just cutting out meat for but what mm. it looks like very little pay, he's just a he's a regular assembly line worker. It takes a bit of a sliver for himself, and we see this happen uh, a few occasions um, during the opening of this episode. So I kept expecting him to get caught and bucked or fired every every time he did it. But no, he seemed to get away with it each time because he wraps up in a little bit of paper or something and then hides it down his down his apron. And you know, I've been thinking perhaps perhaps he has picked the perfect place to hide from um from Anakin slash Vader and Tatooine. I mean all that sand, he's just not gonna want to go there and look. <laughs> oh, oh you know, you, you could go and find him there. Too, too much sand, too much sand. <laughs> uh I see what you did there, but like it's weird it shows how well he is it shows how good he is at hiding because, you know, Twitch Place, you know, you've got three Sith Inquisitors who can't sense that he's on like a different part of the planet, or like later on where the fifth brother and Reva come back, he's hiding in the little stables not too far away from where they're they're yelling at everybody, and still they can't sense that he's he's there. So he does a good job of it, and I think they show that the meets for the the creature that he he raids mm. to to go back to his little cave that he's hiding out in. Uh, I think I like the fact that they show us this like three times of him at the on the assembly line, cut of it at me, get on the wee transport, get on your wee creature thing, hide back in the cave, showing his like routine, basically like same thing every day, not a Jedi anymore, just you know, work, cave, watch overlook, repeat, you know. He's not he's got really nothing else to live for because, you know, he doesn't we see multiple times in this episode he has no interest in, you know, being the old Obi Wan again. Yeah, and we also see when he um, when he tries to sleep, he obviously has recurring. It looks like he has recurring nightmares of of what happened, and um, 
you know, with um, Anakin turning to the dark side and their, and their battle and that. And he obviously feels um, guilt and shame, I think, that um, he sort of let Anakin go dark and he had to sort of kill him. Because I think at this point, as far as he knows, he left Anakin to die. Mm-hmm. And, and it'd be a fair assumption, given that like you wouldn't think anybody could have survived what Anakin went through. I think it's not just that, but like, yeah, he shows like Qui Gon's death when he's having his nightmares. So the idea of like, not only did he let everybody else down, like, which led to the death of Jedi, but mm. you know, like, he, he he didn't keep lived up to the promise uh, that he left that he made to his dying master that he would train this guy to help bring balance of force to ultimately destroyed him, forced him to, as far as he knows, kill him. And, you know, they're teasing this here, you know, check off Qui-Gon, but he wakes up and he calls out to Qui-Gon Jinn, but nobody responds because Yoda did say, I'll teach you how to communicate with Qui-Gon Jinn. Despite what Liam Neeson might try and say, I have a feeling that episode four or five, when Obi-Wan's really at his lowest here, we're going to get Force Ghost Neeson popping up to give him some words of encouragement. I mean, because he didn't have to include that little bit um, from Revenge of the Sith when Yoda says about, you know, training to meditate to get into contact with your old master. So um, you'd have thought if they couldn't have secured Liam Neeson for that, they they could have just chopped that bit out. So the fact that that bit is purposely left in the recap sort of Mm -hmm. hints to me that perhaps he'll make a, a quick cameo. Perhaps I'd be, I'd be interested in that. And I, I often thought like the inclusion of it in the prequels to begin with was to imply that through that training, that's how Obi-Wan learned how to communicate with those who had passed, but also how he was able to later mm. on, when he himself died, come back as a force ghost to communicate with Luke. So, you know, who knows? Um, the, how, how quickly did Yoda train him? Because Obi-Wan seems to go in a hide and fairly soon after he drops Luke off, whereas Yoda buggers off to, to a swamp in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know at what point and Billy didn't spend that long train because Obi-Wan's trying to communicate with him and he's getting nothing back. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a there's a lot of things that perhaps would hurt your head if you, if you try and think about them too much. But uh, Luke was very clearly, clearly very strong in the force and Yoda's that great of a teacher. He didn't need much time. Uh, there was a fun scene in the cave before the nightmares where uh, he's communicating with a Jawa yeah. <laughs> to, who's brought him a gift that he tries to leave for Luke, which ultimately gets thrown back at him. But people said that's this, that same model of toy Luke's seen playing with on the ship and a new hope. So eventually he is going to be able to give him that at some point. But he's trying to get something for Luke and uh, he's trying to, he, oh, he needs some old parts for. Or something, and uh, he goes. I got, they got nicked, and the Jawa gives him like, "Oh, got these exact parts you need." And Obi-Wan goes, "If you're gonna try, if you're gonna steal my parts, just sell them back to me. You could at least clean them." There's a pause, and the Jawa just goes, "Cleaning is extra." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's rude business, man. These Jawas <laughs> aren't they? Fair play. Honestly, <laughs> con artist a lot of them, buddy. Con, he's he tries to sell them an old like. Uh, Jedi Bell and everything as well as like, oh, Inquisitors are here, no, good for business. Basically, like, yeah, they kill Jedi, we steal, we just pickpocket <laughs> yeah. them when they're dead. 
got no shame, have they? <laughs> Absolutely not. But there you go, we have the nightmares. Uh, Obi-Wan stole one of his business. And then we have the, the famous, well, the scene from the trailer that you laid. Everybody's been going, oh, the Usyk burns. Uh, the, <laughs> when Owen comes to him, he throws the toy bag and basically just like, leave us alone. Because uh, Obi-Wan was seen watching over Luke earlier on. And he basically like, oh, like we discussed this, you know, when he, when the time comes, he must be trained, but like he trained his father. And <laughs> there's also a thing where really, like, you know, I just wanted to, you know, what, like, when Owen basically says, I know that you've been watching us, like, you know, I just want to make sure he's saying, like, no, you don't, you want to know if he's showing, like, basically the idea, like, has he given any indication that he's, you know, one with the force? Mm. And, and basically he's like, I, basically, we don't want anything, like, to do with you. And then, there's a scene with the where Owen gets almost interrogated by the the third sister, and he may potentially giving up a future a Jedi and doesn't do anything. Obi Wan again showing he's not the same guy because he's just cowering uh, where they where he can't be seen rather than helping anybody. Everyone says to Obi Wan, "I didn't do it for you." Like because if he like gave up Obi Wan, I think it's implied that they'd wonder why is he here, and then figure out somehow that looks here. Yeah, he's uh, prepared to keep himself quiet and <laughs> sacrifice whatever he needs to to keep Luke safe. Luke keeps Luke safe is the uh, is clearly his priority. But um, yeah, we we also see the the third sister talks about chopping uh, people's hands off, and someone dares question her, saying, "Oh, we're just simple people in the outer room, you know. We just, you know, just leave us alone." And she just chops her hand clean off, and as you say, threatens Owen and uh, threatens like to kill his family if nobody speaks up. But um, the fifth brother sort of takes control of the situation and tells her to lay off, and uh, so there will be a reward if you can give us any information and um as they go around a corner he sort of pushes her against the wall and gives her another telling off telling her <laughs> she's out of control and and what have you so it, it looks like she's not exactly a favorite among the inquisitors <laughs> they're all starting to get a bit brassed off by uh, her actions yeah like the fifth brother is more like the other inquisitors want are giving the people the opportunity to kind of give up the Jedi mm. if they know anything. Like offering the reward, like you're all probably poor people, you'll probably give us give them up if there's a reward involved. And then, then they're willing to escalate to you know chopping limbs or threatening to kill people. Whereas she just she just goes like she just starts at chopping limbs off, and there's no there's not much else to go from there when you start that high up. And I was wondering, given the anniversary of the release of a new hope of that scene also with a reference to like when Obi Wan first gets his lightsaber, he chops the man's arm off. So I was wondering if that was a little reference, or again, am I thinking too much about <laughs> it? But I like that there's a scene between uh, her and Owen where Owen basically says, like, "I've no like quant- I've no thoughts about it. You know, they're vermin. You know, my farm, I kill vermin. So it seems like she's kind of understand, or she's gonna leave alone for things. Like, you got a family, yeah." And there's a pause, and she goes, she stands around to the crowd, goes, Give up the Jedi, or this man and his family die. So he's basically yeah. just singled him out immediately. Yeah, perhaps he's also letting Obi Wan know what he thinks of him and Jedi as well, knowing he's not too far away from what's going on. 
and uh, she does say like when he asks like what you like wanting to get out of like getting Obi Wan, can always like I want what, what I'm owed, and they probably basically like she's wanting to bring Obi Wan to Vader herself to try and gain some sort of favor, and we'll understand the reasons as to why she might want that in the next episode. But uh, we see this Jedi who managed to escape earlier on the episode when Obi Wan dropped the stuff off at, at outside the, the Lars family house. Uh, he comes up to Obi Wan, Obi Wan initially tries to. Like how you do so like oh no you're you're clearly mistaken I'm I'm old Ben my name is Ben I'm not a Jedi but this Jedi yeah he clearly because he calls him Master so he clearly recognizes him I think but um, despite the the Jedi's best efforts um, Obi Wan just isn't interested in helping him he's too concerned with um, potentially giving himself away and endangering Luke so. Um, Again, we see another, you know, another uh, sign of how much Obi Wan's changed. That uh, you know he's even refusing to help a fellow Jedi who's clearly desperate. He said the best thing you can do is like bury your, your, your lightsaber and in the middle of the desert and just try and live a quiet life, stay hidden, stay out of the way, which that Jedi doesn't need to. Because we later see him being hung up in the middle of the town center as kind of a warning. Uh, as what happens to you know to Jedi, and we do learn that Obi Wan didn't just say that as an off the cuff thing, a suggestion. We learn that he actually did that to not only his lightsaber but to Anakin's as well. Mm. And um, I think it's some it's over after the Jedi get uh, meets Obi Wan, or just before we we go to a, a different planet, don't we? Um, we see somebody getting dressed up for a party but it's not who it's supposed to be it's <laughs> she's done she's done the old bait and switch and uh it was a nice surprise to see um who we, who we realize um they, they tease you for a few minutes but uh they, they, they give the name away and it's uh I mean, you can work out for yourself. It's obviously going to be Leia, uh, a young Leia or a Targa. But um, it was no. They didn't give any. They didn't give this away at all in the trailers. I never heard any ounce that would get a young Leia, and uh, she's quite pivotal to the story. And it all kind of makes sense now to to why Obi Wan has to go off planet, and he has this mission that sort of gets him mixed up with stuff. So um, I, I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it kind of took me by surprise as well. And we do see like hints of her like being similar to how she will be when she grows up mm. as adult person, but also as Obi Wan points in the second episode, she's also like her mother, who also like 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 to use doubles to get out of things. Yes, <laughs> as we, as we all know. And uh, yeah, we're on Alderaan, which it's nice to see this planet pre getting blown up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know Leah very very much like Bran in the early Game of Thrones you just can't help but claiming and going out in the woods and all sorts and yeah it's weird like I said to you that it almost feels like the Luke tease that we got in the first episode was almost like a red herring like that's all we'll really see of Luke like he's not really going to play a part in the story really it's actually to make you think aha actually it's Leah that he's involved that's why he leaves the planet because they don't know about the potential for Leia to have the Force in her, but you know they know the Inquisitor finds out the connection between Bail Organa, who we see here again 
and and Obi Wan during the Clone Wars. So like we either hire some guy to kidnap her to to get to Obi Wan, but uh, it does also. I remember watching it's like well, here's a big part of these first two episodes. I don't think I think after the third episode she probably won't be around much longer. But I wonder like why why are they invested so much in this thing? And then I thought to myself, it hit me like well, it shows that why this establishes a relationship between these two, which is why she was so adamant that Obi-Wan was her only hope and yeah. episode four. Yeah, exactly. It sort of bridges the gap to that a bit more as well. And it makes even more sense why she would turn to Obi-Wan in, in their uh, time of desperation and a new hope, as you say. And, um, yeah, it all seems to fit very well. I thought she wasn't too bad uh, of an actress either. You know, when you're not hiring uh, 10 to 9-year-olds, you, you never know what you're going to get. But I thought she gave a stellar performance considering her age. Yeah. Really, this time period, I've heard like nine or so years between this, the events of this series and the start of A New Hope, which really says to me that the... Uh, they really hired Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill as young as they were probably at the time. They really hired them to play older than they were meant to be when they cast that film because to look at these two kid actors to go from that to what Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill look like in uh, New Hope is just really hard to look, think about. Even harder than the idea of you McGregor turning into Alec Guinness in nine years because like I'm pretty sure there are like hints and like or people saying about A New Hope that. Mark Hamill's meant to be like seven, 16, 17, playing with a bloody toy ship on the Millennium Falcon. You're like, you're clearly like 25, Mark. <laughs> I don't know. I think they do look reasonably young, but it's always been a thing in, in Hollywood anyway that they uh, cast 20-odd year, 20 year olds to play 16 to 17 year olds. And then um, and it's a little wonder you have actual 17, 16 year olds wondering why they don't look like that. Yeah, because you need to wait at least five years, you know. The idea of mm. having casting people in their 20s to play teenagers, the formula that Power Rangers would successfully replicate for a good 20 odd years. Yeah, why aren't I that muscular at 16? <laughs> why aren't my boobs that big? That's because <laughs> she's a 20 year old who's had three boob jobs by now. <laughs> and he's had Six more years to be in the gym. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, that weird detour aside, but I do like the kind of back and forth we get from Bail Organa and, and young Leah during the show, especially after just the, the argument with her, her cousin who basically talks down to her for not being a real Organa. Like, that's why they never let you off while they don't want people to know that you're uh, you're not one of us, really, and even slags her for Saying, even like t- showing basic manners to the droids, like you don't, you want to talk about like an oh moment, you know, this is the proper one here because uh, he's like, you know, you don't need to give basic manners when talking to lower life forms. So that I don't need basic manners when I'm talking to you. Yeah, I mean, flipping that. Has she has she been around Owen or has Owen been around her? I mean, these two are the masters of the put downs. Jesus Christ! If she if she had a microphone handy, she would have picked up and dropped it and buggered off. After that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like a promo from 1999 <laughs> WWF. That is. <laughs> yeah, you know. Also, you can see in the background of the scene uh, there's blinking illicit appearances from from uh, C2P on R2, which makes sense because it was Bill Organ mm. who then 
handed them off to Captain Tillys, who, when episode four happens, a uh, Seapoo says Captain Tillys was the last guy we were we were working for. So Bill is still working, kind of for the Organa family. But yeah, Bill then begs Obi Wan to to save Leia when she gets kidnapped and. First, when he they try hologram, he says like I'm not that guy. You need to find somebody else, uh, and like literally he said, there's no one else we trust. And literally, I was waiting for one of them to say you're our only hope. Like I was just waiting for them to go that route, and then and then he eventually like comes into like to Obi Wan's like cave as well to to beg him in person. Like there's that moment where there's a hooded figure, and then he turns around and it's and Bail Organa. Part of me thought he was going to basically offer him to. Uh, to watch over Luke while Obi-Wan was, was off finding Leia, but basically I think he kind of cuts through, like, it's not about, you know, watching over there, just you know, it's not just the fact that you need to be here for Luke, like, you're just, you're clearly scared to go out there, but like, I need you, you know, one last mission. Hmm. And uh, he does enough to convince uh, Obi-Wan to, to take up the mission, and as you said, we see him go into the desert and uh, dig up his lightsabers that he'd buried. And I don't know if that's some sort of Jedi or uses the force to find out where, where they were. Cause guys, if I'd buried them in the middle of a desert like that, I'd never find them again. <laughs> yeah. No, also, what do they do with Anakin's lightsaber? Cause you see him like the big final shot of this episode is him kind of flicking his, flicking his coat and you see his lightsaber dangling from mm. his, from his waist. Like I doubt he would have brought Anakin's with him because I know he had it with him when he meet when he met uh, Luke in Episode Four. So did he have to then nine years later go back to the desert and grab Anakin's lightsaber for the exact moment where he knew he'd meet Luke for the first time? Like again, it shows despite how old they met Luke in Episode Four, he's got great memory of that Obi Wan. He has, yeah. And again, he's another one that's going to age um, terribly over nine years. Perhaps he just had a really bad summer and, you know, the all that sun just uh, aged them, but aged them badly. <laughs> yeah, and like, I said to you, though, given the fact that, you know, he's living on a planet with two suns in a cave for 20-odd years, you know, he could look worse. He could look worse, you know. <laughs> Really good. That's how episode one kind of ends, and then we we pick up episode two, uh, Obi Wan arriving on Dayu, which is the Hong Kong inspired planet that Ellie is being held at, and you know it's kind of we immediately get the idea this is a very like seedy like location, and the guy basically said that you know, all a lot of cons are kind of uh, jammed here because you know people like to keep their secrets around here. Uh, Obi Wan meets some uh, some young space dealers, which reminded me of the the guy offering to buy him death sell him death sticks in Episode Two. Uh, and apparently, I found this out earlier today. The little girl who says, "You know, I was once somebody's daughter too." That's actually you, McGregor's kid. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. I never realised that. That was uh, <laughs> that was there pretty cool. You learn something new every day, don't you? You you, you really do, actually. <laughs> I like I like that idea. So then there's another one of the other space dealer basically, you know, gives them the info. He's looking for. I said, "Oh, there's a Jedi around here. He helps, you know, give people information." But uh, there's a, a cameo I wasn't expecting to see. Uh, to me, Morrison 
pops up as a random yeah yeah that 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 was uh a cool little cameo and uh, there's lots of like people discussing now on social media as if if he recognized um obi-wan or not there's a people point at the look of his armor like the the color scheme with the white and the blue and it was Looks like the kind of battalion of troops that would have worked with Anakin back in the day. Mm. Now, he's, now he's down on his luck after, you know, killing all the Jedi. Part of me wanted it to be revealed that, like, maybe it could be in another episode, who knows, but, like, so let me have that moment where they look over each other and Obi-Wan realises that maybe it's Commander Cody, like, who obviously is the one that tried to shoot him down uh, during Order 66, but, you know, it's just a regular clone trooper who's obviously, as we've seen the bad effects, have already started the process of replacing the clones, so... He's like, yeah, exactly. The Empire. And he says to him, come on, help a, help a war hero or help a war veteran get a warm meal. And everyone kind of hesitates, but he does eventually give him the credits. And he's, he's using his Stormtrooper helmet to collect the money. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a cool moment. And uh, it's like, oh, it's, uh, what? I couldn't remember his name at the time when I was watching it. But I was like, oh, it's, what's his face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact he played both Django uh, who play a character. In fact, he played Django, who then helped start the clones, which includes a whole army of clones and Boba Fett himself. Means that he could basically play multiple characters at once across Star Wars. So, uh, I hope to to move Morrison's really reaching that Disney money. Yeah, yeah, let's hope so. I wonder if we'll see any more of him. Will any more clones pop up or? Hmm. Well, that sort of leads to something else, or was it just like a a one-off sort of fan plea, you know, fan service um, cameo? But uh, yeah, we and we sort of um, get sort of um, oh, what's the word? I guess approached by a young boy, doesn't he? That sort of tells him, "Oh, are you lost? You need you're looking for someone. Uh, uh, I know who can help you." Yeah? And um, he gets taken to this. Jedi, I say in, in air <laughs> quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Haja uh, Estri is the character's uh, name, I believe, played by Kenil Nanjiani of uh, of Eternals fame. He's the one of the only good parts mm. about that movie. You know, he directed <laughs> some things too. Uh, <laughs> and he, he shows off his force ability, you know, closing the windows and everything. And uh, it he, he, he looks like he's given some sort of Jedi mind trick by hacking and basically trying to give safe passage to a woman and her kid who uh, the kid might imply this force sensitive so they're wanting to get them all foiled to get away from the Empire or any potential inquisitors. And then, and so it, we find out that he is genuinely doing a nice thing, but it's just he's going about it the wrong way because he makes sure, like, he gets credits off them, and then uh, when he gets given it, he goes, it's all there. And he goes, oh, you really don't have to. And then you see him counting all of it up. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then... <you laughs> Sorry about that, but De- my mother's coming in, so Dexter's getting excited. Dexter, Dexter cameo. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Stan Lee of this podcast. He's going to pop up eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eventually. Uh, but and then we find out how much he... Uh, he actually charges when Obi-Wan first approaches him because uh, we find out that he's just using magnets and the guy who he was mind controlling is actually in on it and he gets like a share of it. So he's doing a nice thing but being a dick about it and I'm surprised we went this long without somebody trying to pretend to be a Jedi 
any kind of Star Wars media. So Obi-Wan kind of approaches him about it, about uh, getting its assistance. He goes, oh, I only, all I ask in return is a small fee. Goes, How much? You know, 500 to locate, another 300 to, to take to take her to you. And he goes, oh, and like, oh, I'll also give you an extra thousand for you. He's like, huh, quite a, quite a large fee. Yeah, and then he Obi Wan uh, gives him a dressing down, and so sort of says, "Ah, so oh, Jedi power." So all I can see is magnets, and <laughs> sort of pulls down his sleeve and um, pulls off the magnets, and uh, sort of tells him off a of fleece in that family. No, no, but you know he tries to just say, "They're safe, they're safe," <laughs> and um, yeah, Obi Wan like has like a even though he has these like lights here, he does kind of hold a. a Blaster to him at one point because again mm. he's trying to stay under the radar. He goes, You just said, You're nothing but a rat, but my experience is rats, you know, rats know the most about the streets. So he, he, he still wants to get the information out of him, but he basically lets him know, like, not calling him in to give me any credits for this. <laughs> yeah, and he obviously learns what he, what he needs to do because it's not long before he's making his. Making his way into, um, I don't know, some sort of uh, dodgy looking um, place where they're, where, they're, where they're doing and there's stuff with drugs uh, by the looks of it. I think this is where the, the people who were selling the space maybe got it from because they got people wearing like masks, like they're working in mm. some sort of sweatshop, and we want goods in disguise like a worker, but eventually you know, makes his way through. He does something hand-to-hand combat, but uh, you can tell it's been a while for him because he's not exactly the best. Uh, but then at one point, it looks like he all he gets so close to being uh, caught in a trap because the the guys were waiting for him in the cell to jump him and basically tell him that the Inquisitor was coming for him, which you can see the pain on his face because he doesn't want to be messing with the Inquisitors. Because uh, again, he's, he's not good to hand-to-hand, so he's clearly out of practice lightsaber fighting, so he doesn't probably like his chances and he he still has some space that that kid gave him, so he uses that to kind of blind them and then go find Leia. And a, a scene I really enjoyed because uh, she assumes that an army is being sent for her, but like, it's just like, yeah. where's the, like, where's the army? And, everything? Like, and it just reminded me of the, the scene between her and Luke, like, aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? And then, and then I was laughing because that reminded me of the parody version from Blue Harvest, like, aren't you a little fat to be a stormtrooper? Bang, stay here and die, you stuck-up bitch. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a bit of chemistry as well, on-screen chemistry as well between uh, Young Leia and uh, um, Ewan McGregor. So they seem to sort of, you know, bounce off each other quite well with their with their sort of banter and insults, which is which is quite mm-hmm. good. And uh, yeah, they uh, they managed to get away from the the kidnappers. And <laughs> Reva sort of shows up soon after, and if not too pleased, they let him get away. <laughs> She's like, "Where, where did they go?" So uh, yeah, they hit the streets. And I've got to say, I like to give um, a bit of a mention to the to this planet Daegu as well. It's I, I love the aesthetic, you know, the the, the sort of <laughs> neon soaked dark metropolis. It's got a bit of yeah. a sort of. Another sort of sort of film noir vibe going on to it. Uh, uh, yeah, I really like it. It's quite different to what we normally see in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really like the aesthetic. I mean, 
it seems like they're going off world at the end of the episode, but I'm, I'm hopeful that they go back to to, to the plan because like they've already been on Tatooine, they've been on this planet, so that's most of the trailer footage. So I'm wondering where else they're going to end up going. But yeah, like the back and forth between like Leia and Obi Wan, like the idea for their having the disguises, like you know, uh, if anyone asks for humble farmers, I'm your, and you're my daughter. Granddaughter, maybe. But I think. <laughs> yeah. And then he's buying the buying the coat. You don't need the gloves, and she still puts them on anyway. And the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's asking all these questions like a child. We're like, are you a Jedi? Jedi can make people float. Can you make me float? Like, no, that wouldn't be. I wouldn't keep us hidden. That'd be too inconspicuous. And she's asking, like, are you really a Jedi? And. Uh, you know, there are times where like they show younger versions of characters you recognise and they try too hard to make them seem like, oh, they're always like this or and like sometimes it works in this case and sometimes it doesn't, but like I'm I'm glad that it kind of worked in this way because that's that's how you should do it if you're gonna show a younger version of a character. Mm. Either show them very similar to how they how you know they're gonna end up or show them differently, but then show the event that led them to be as you know them in the later version that you saw them as because you know a lot of people complained about young Anakin not really being as Obi-Wan described him yeah exactly if you and if you remember like a new a new hope um Princess Leia sort of gives a few strong barbs to Muff Tarkin and uh, <laughs> and Vader when she f- first meets them at um, Hell Captain on, on the Death Star as well. Oh, I should have known you'd be here holding Vader's leash and <laughs> and, and whatnot. So yeah, it's, she's definitely always had that that in her. So <laughs> it's and quite. The she, and the fact that she was like the one who kind of found a way out for them when they were trying to escape the Death Star, like going through in the garbage. And basically, we see you like, this isn't my first kidnapping. I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get kidnapped all the time. This is normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, uh, Uber gets a, you know, when a teacher talk, gives you a ball game when you've been caught, uh, you know, cheating on your homework or whatever. The Grand Inquisitor shows up with the fifth brother and the fourth sister, and they basically, you know, give her a telling off for for kidnapping uh, Leia to get to Obi Wan. Like we told you, it's like not to go after Obi Wan on your own, and like um, see your track very favor with Vader. Like whatever you're looking for, it won't change what you are. You're still the the lowest of us. Like you came to us from the gutter, uh, and, he, and he just basically shits all over like. If Obi Wan's here on this planet, we'll find him ourselves. Like you're excused, we'll talk about this later. Then she again goes against them because she basically said like every she puts a reward to like every bounty hunter and die you to find Obi Wan, bring her to her, so that she can get what mm. she feel like she deserves. Kind of wonder if perhaps she was handpicked to be this inquisitor by Vader himself, and uh, the others aren't too keen on her. Um, because of that, because perhaps normally um, the Grand Inquisitor gets to to select who he has under, you know, who he has under him as um, inquisitors, and perhaps sort of Reva's been forced on them, perhaps because they definitely, even without all the antics, they definitely don't seem super keen on her, do they? Like maybe she's a case of maybe she's the youngest of them, them all, mm. and like again, they're coming from the gutter or whatever. Uh, whereas they've been trained for years, probably by Vader and the Grand Inquisitor, that they don't appreciate. You know, that's probably 
the different upbringings probably is why she's got such a different attitude, which rubs them all the wrong way. Yeah. And like you, have you mentioned a few usage you had, which I think a lot of people have already said that they have about uh, Reva's character and where she came from. Yeah, maybe she was one of these younglings in the Jedi Temple. She managed to get away and perhaps she sort of holds um obi-wan sort of responsible for not protect you know for not protecting them and letting it happen or mm-hmm. or some you know or some such like that because she even if vader does want him found she's she seems a lot more obsessed over finding him than any of the other inquisitors who are prepared to sort of let it go and if they stumble across him they stumble across him but she seems absolutely hell bent on on finding him doesn't she Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I think she must have tried to survive on her own for a while, but then eventually been forced to go to them to to survive. Mm-hmm. And because I think it's implied that a lot of Sith Inquisitors are former Jedi's. Like the second sister was revealed to be the former Padawan of a, a Jedi, one of the Jedi's featured in that game. And the Grand Inquisitor in Rebels was revealed to be like he was a guard at a Jedi temple, and then he he found he saw how corrupt the Jedi system was. When Ahsoka got wrongly accused, that's why he left, and I'm sure they've all got their own individual stories. So, but a lot of them have basically been like Jedi at one point or another who got turned to the dark side. So, uh, we'll hopefully see more of her story in like, the next couple of episodes. But uh, she basically one of the one of the like Benny Hunter's finds Obi Wan, and then Viva basically follows the gunfire sounds to jump across the roof to get to where Obi Wan is. Uh, to try and like track them down, uh, and at this point, I kind of see some saw some distrust between Leia and Obi-Wan, like not believing that he's actually a Jedi until he's able to. He's finally forced to use the Force because otherwise she wouldn't have. Uh, she yeah, she falls off. Death. Tries to make a, a jump across rooftops. It's a bit too. That's a bit too far. She doesn't make it, does she? And uh, she first she's able to grab hold of like a. An electric cable or something, but she can't because she's young and little. She's too weak to hold on, so she eventually lets go. And yeah, uh, he's forced to use the force to float her to the ground so she doesn't uh, fall and die, basically. And um, yeah, he's able to run back down to her, and then we see um, that uh, I forget his name now. The 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 guys pretend to be a Jedi. Um, we think he's because we we sort of he sort of the, the the boy brings it to his attention because um, he's seen these holo, the holograph things that the shit they're showing round to find him and uh, he's he, he's like oh he was right under our nose a Jedi I feel so silly and you kind of think at first he's gonna try and bring him in himself to get. To get the reward, but uh, no, he's, he's actually he's actually trying to help them. He gives them like um, some sort of like stick type thing to, and tells them there'll be a transport waiting up in the in the sort of um, merchant sort of side of things, doesn't he? Mm. Like the, the like the docks where the merchant ships go, no one will be looking for you there. There'll, there'll be a ship you can get away there, and then he uh, says, "I'll do, I'll do what I can to hold them up." That's a fun little exchange with with Reva. Oh, you you found me. I think she knows instantly he's not a real Jedi. 
because of the sort of disdain she sort of looks at him with, and she can't even be bothered to sort of kill him. She just like oofs him aside and carries on in a, in a pursuit of um, Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he also implies like they will take him to a planet where there's people who also yes. like who can who they can trust to all uh, who also hate the Empire. So maybe we'll get some future rebels or some. Uh, Potential like other cameos of characters we might recognise in the next episode. So yeah, like you said, like she very quickly like gets them out of the way when she's trying to get to to Obi Wan and yeah, he saved my to save Leia by legitimately making her float. But uh, then we have the scene where he has to kind of hold off Reva uh, while she goes to get the trans while Leia goes to start up the transport thing. He basically says to like we doesn't return like basically go without him, and then. I like this scene because like he's hiding from her and she's got the lightsaber out. She's looking very it kinda of reminded me of like when Luke hides from from Vader during their fight and Return of the Jedi and he's kind of skulking around trying to lure him out by talking about what he might do to Leia and everything like that. Yeah. It's uh it's a cool it's a cool little scene. And um she sort of starts shouting at Obi Wan, doesn't she? Um uh, you can't escape from him, and um, yeah, you didn't know, did he? Still, a, he's still alive, Anakin. He's he's still alive, and you sort of see the look on um, everyone's face, realizing that a uh, person he thought was long since dead is actually still alive and uh, working for the Empire. I think there's a point where she can roughly sense where about she is because. I know I said earlier mm. on they couldn't sense he was on Tadrian, but like there's a point she pauses and then it's just like, oh, you didn't know, did you? Because she can sense like Obi Wan's feelings when she, when he said when she mm. says that like yeah. oh, you didn't know he was you didn't know he was still alive, and then like Obi Wan manages to get away while the Grand Inquisitor again tells off, uh, tells off Riva, and then a moment which well, really confused me because like the Grand Rebels is set a few years after this, so he has to be in Rebels because of. Spoiler reasons, even though it's come out, it's been out since 2013. But uh, yeah, Ren has to be in the first season of Rebels, so uh, she stabs him through the chest. I don't know what they're gonna do. Is he gonna? Well, it, it get... wasn't. It wasn't the chest actually. It's lower down, more in the sort of abdominal area. So um, it's a good chance it might not have killed him, just severely wounded him. That or there's another Grand Inquisitor, and that's why he doesn't. That's why he looks different. Maybe or yeah, but um, apart from that, is he gonna get modded? Is he? Do they have a back to tank he can he can sit in? <laughs> a spare back to tank he can sit in because uh, after that, which as you recover from that shot, you got Obi Wan kind of just like in shock, mm. staring into the distance while they're trying to ask him what's wrong, but he's just not responding. He just says Anakin, and then there's a big harsh cut of. Hayden Christensen and the back to tank, all like white scars everywhere, with the the mask with mask on him, and he's doing the Darth Vader breathing. His eyes open at that exact moment, as almost if he can sense that Obi Wan is out there. Mm. Uh, and that just, well, that was enough. That was all I needed at the end of that episode to note the idea that we make it see actually more of Hayden Christensen in the next episode. That's all I need, you know. And we only have to wait a couple of days. 
Yeah, so for, imagine in episode three, we're going to start to see a bit more of Darth Vader. And as you say, it was a perfect way to end it with that shot of him and it's breathing into the sort of end credits, which was just mm-hmm. perfect, perfectly done. And um, yeah, I thought it was great, great acting as well by uh, Ewan McGregor, the sort of look of, yeah, sort of almost a, almost a cross between sort of disbelief and, and fear that his his old apprentice is is still alive, and uh, yeah, are these two gonna meet somewhere before the close of this season? It's uh, yeah, a lot of lot of interesting things still to come. It's gonna be interesting to see where they end up going as well, because as you said, he did sort of make out that there's people who can help them. So perhaps he really is helping people just making sure he gets a paid handsomely for doing it. Yeah. It's like the scene in Bloody Jaws who like, uh, I'll kidnap him for I'll, I'll kidnap him for this much and then kill him for this much. Just you know man Johnny with his magnet force powers or whatever he's got. But, so I'm just see what happens like with Vader and Vader interact with the Inquisitors after what Weaver did. Uh, I'm also wondering if we'll get a small cameo potentially given this time period from the Emperor at this point because you know Ian McDermott is still alive. He's like 78 mm. years old this year. And you know he was somehow fit enough to, to do his role in uh, the last year in The Rise of Skywalker. Mind you he was sitting down a lot but really that's all you need for the Emperor just have them sitting in a massive chair with a lot of makeup, and you know you can get me to do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, it could very well be that. That would be quite cool. Um, so I wouldn't mind that if 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 they can if he does. Um, just imagine though, if um, Vader knew who who Leia was, it'd be like, "What do you mean, Ravi? You cat? You kidnapped my daughter? You stupid!" <laughs> 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 I know, the fact that we don't even realise how important Leia really is. Exactly, yeah. She just looked in the archives and saw a connection between uh, Bale, Ortega and um, Obi-Wan. But yeah, it's, she's obviously a lot more important than, than they could even possibly imagine. I know. Uh, I think with Amy Gemma, it's like the Emperor, as I was about to say, like, I think there's a different actor who initially did the brief like hologram of him in like episode five, but he's so iconic as a character. They went back mm. in like later DVD edition and replaced them with Ian McDermott, who, uh, by the way, I should point out, Ian McDermott born in Scotland. Should just mention. So, the Emperor is born in the most evil place on earth. Clearly. Yeah, well, it was only originally meant to be a, a bit of a cameo from the Emperor, and they didn't have anyone cast, so they I think they just dressed up a. Uh, um, some sort of floor manager or something in a, in a robe and gave him some funny eyes or something, didn't they? But yeah, when he realised he was going to have a bigger part in um, episode three, they, they cast uh, well, a young Ian McDermott at the time. And yeah, when they were filming the prequels, they, they got him to refilm that a little bit for episode five, which uh, was one of the few additions I don't mind because it actually makes it actually makes more sense. You see a young human when he popped up in episode three, which was early 80s, he was, he was pushing 40 when he first played the Emperor. That so is, that's... Scott, watch your mouth. <laughs> so I'm saying you watch him there and then you see him full on like white hair in the, the prequel trilogy like saying so like ah the young emperor like yes when he was 
40. <laughs> but, that uh, is, Scott, that is young. Can I remind you who you're talking to here? Okay, well, there we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's funny when you look back at the original trilogy, the, the Emperor is from, was born in Buddy Carnus in Scotland, and the guy in the actual Vader suit was Buddy from Yorkshire and didn't realise he was being dubbed over by James Earl Jones until he saw the first <laughs> <Yeah>. film. <laughs> it's just as what he was, though. I mean, have you ever seen, like, the um, the making of footage and you see, you yeah. actually hear him do, saying the lines <laughs> and, oh, my God, it would have... That would have probably ruined the whole film, I think. Hey, you, Princess Leia, you bloody ribble lines, you lot. Bloody traitors. Take it, get her out of my face. Get me a room. It just wouldn't have worked, would it? No, it would not. But yeah. So yeah, we we're recording this on Monday. Hopefully it'll be around about the time that episode three is dropping. So uh, back to Star Wars content on a Wednesday, which is nice to see. And uh yeah, I'm hoping for a lot more Vader in this next episode. I just hope they've been savvy enough to put James Earl Jones in a booth and just record tons of dialogue with him because then you could stick anyone on the suit and you've got a, you know, a catalogue of uh, Vader voice to use whenever whenever you need it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I'm interested to see more of Hayden Christensen, you know, getting, getting his, uh, his second chance to be Darth Vader. So that does imply from this scene that maybe we'll see a fair bit of him outside the suit and maybe as you said earlier on maybe we'll get some flashback scenes of him in the temple who knows but uh how are we going to rate these episodes do you want to do individual ratings for each episode or do you want to do one collective kind of rating given that they're both dropped around at the same time uh i i don't think it matters because they're both 10 out of 10 for me <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm gonna take you i mean the bar was was already pretty high, but like I was happy with with what I got. Like the Inquisitors looking as badass as anything, you know. Got a lot of intrigue around this new one with Reva, and then the fact that you've set the table for the inevitable Anakin Obi Wan rematch, and then uh, what could have been a a thing that took you out of the episode with the inclusion of young Leia actually helped the episode, especially in the second one. Yeah, exactly. It's um, I'm not opposed if we're going to keep uh, Leia throughout the whole the whole series, or she sort of quietly disappears after a, another couple of episodes. Um, you know, I thought she, you know I quite liked uh, her character. I'm not always a big fan of child actors in in these sort of things because they tend to be awful. But no, I think she did uh, a real a real good job and I think for me uh, Moses Ingram and Vivian Lyra Blair who plays uh, the young Lyra Garner they're the two sort of standout performances for me I mean that's not to say Hugh McGregor wasn't great but we know he's great and it was great to see you know other actors sort of carry you know doing their part and carrying their, their workload so to speak Mm-hmm. And also, we got um, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> playing playing the lead kidnapper. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise that's who he was. And then it just comes up in the credits. 
Flea. Just no other name, just yeah. Flea. <laughs> like I can't think okay. in, I recognise that from somewhere, but I just can't think where. And then when I was, yeah, when Flea came off at the end credits, I knew straight away. I was like, ah, yes, that's who it is. <laughs> yes. So, there you go. A couple of times for these two episodes. You know, we started off five. So, you know, so we'd say we can only go down for a year, but, you know, for now we have the high grade and hopefully the rest of the series won't get brutally <laughs> chopped down as we go forward. But, Carl, uh, while we must wait a few more days to get more Obi-Wan Kenobi, what else have you got going on in the Rogue Opinions you know, galaxy far, far away? Well, not a great deal at the moment. Hopefully me and Liam... Uh, we'll, if we can get it scheduled, we'll do uh, an end of season review um, for Guns and Devils. Uh, reviewing um, the uh, the Premiership ended, and uh, probably the FA go over the FA Cup and Champions League finals respectively. And um, maybe myself and Nathan, if we can again, it's all down to if we can get it scheduled in a decent time frame after the events, might do a review of um, the French Open. But we'll, we'll just have to see how things pan out and the availability of everyone. And hopefully, uh, Scott is about to mention as well. There'll be more from the eight, the new and improved A team, as uh, we bring you more um, tournaments. Mm-hmm. And as yeah. always, as I say, as always, you can find me at uh, Carlos underscore Fire eighty on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find us on um, Rogue underscore Opinions on Instagram and Twitter too. Uh, good, yes. The team is back and somewhat better than ever. Uh, and we've got a brand new tournament to kick it all off, and we've got some plans for other team related content. We may or may not have turned Nathan Greenway onto NXT 2.0. How, whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's really up to your interpretation of everything. <laughs> yeah, as, for, as for me, here in Rogue Pines, the Rogue Rich Matthew View trundles on towards King of the Ring 2000. For a couple of weeks uh, before we can get to that, me and Sam might also be doing some stuff to do with AEW at some point if we can get together to get uh, properly uh, schedule it. Uh, it's got a whole round podcast, which is also on the Rogue Things podcast feed, as well as our own feed on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, which is wherever you choose to get your podcast. Where we've got stuff talking about Impact, uh, Fraser, and at some point in this couple of weeks, we're doing a special retrospective on the WWE European Championship which is a, a championship that I know a lot of fans of a certain era do uh, look back on very formally. And, look, and it's very fitting given that, you know, Drew Manter recently said he'd love for the European title to come back for one night only uh, at the Clash of the Castle show. So look forward to getting to talk about that. And yeah, like you said, Scott McLean, 1986, uh, on, uh, on Twitter and at SPRAM on Twitter for Scott and Paul's Ram podcast. And Carl also told you where, we can, where you can find Rogue Opinions, but... That has been us uh, for another week. We're going to be very busy, me and Carl, over the coming months. But, you know, you know, much like staying hidden from the Inquisitors, you know, podding really ain't easy, Carl, especially but, when you've got so much content to talk about. Yeah, I also had that line in my mind as well. <laughs> so, so well done. <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.